Welcome everyone to the Baking with House of Bread podcast. In this episode, we're continuing with the pumpkin theme. So in the last episode, we did the pumpkin quick bread. And in this episode, we're going to do pumpkin swirl, which is a yeasted bread. It's similar to our cinnamon swirl. And they're also going to cover pumpkin pinwheels. So the pinwheels, basically, it's basically uh, cinnamon rolls with the pumpkin mixture in it. Well, I do like the long days of and warm weather in the summer. I definitely love fall. And the reason I like fall so much is because I love all the spices. And it's fun to come bring them all back in. So right now we're bringing back our apple cinnamon swirl, our pumpkin swirl. We've got pumpkin coffee cake and we've got pumpkin pies. And... It all smells so delightful in the bakery this time of year. Okay, so the pumpkin swirl is made out of the grandma's white bread base. And then basically we swirl in the spiced up pumpkin puree mixture in the middle. We put a little bit on top too. And we use the same mixture to make our pumpkin pinwheels. Okay, so grandma's white episode was number five. And that's where you'll learn how to make that base. And the recipe will yield about three pounds of dough. And we make our pumpkin swirl loaves out of a pound and a half of dough. So you could do just two pumpkin swirls. Or you can even do one pumpkin swirl and one grandma's white loaf. Or you could do some grandma's white dinner rolls and a pumpkin swirl loaf. And so you get the idea. You've got some variety that you can take out of that three pounds. You just want to make sure that you adjust the amount of the pumpkin mixture you use based upon the size of the dough. So the recipe I'm going to include in the show notes is for basically two loaves of pumpkin swirl or 12 pumpkin pinwheels. If you want to do half pumpkin swirl, then use about half the mixture and you'll get six pumpkin pinwheels out of the remaining mixture. And so our, uh, our cinnamon rolls and our pumpkin pinwheels, basically we, we get about three per pound. So they're about oh, five and a third ounce each. So it's a pretty good size roll and you can even get smaller ones if you don't go into like a cocktail size, if you're having a hors d'oeuvres or something like that. And so you get the idea. You're just going to have um, so much dough and you can play around with it. You just need to adjust the amount of mixture accordingly. And the danger is if you put too much pumpkin in the pumpkin swirl bed, what happens is it makes a, a it's sort of a heavy loaf and it doesn't bake all that properly, it may fall apart on you. And it kind of almost looks like it's a, it's a, it's a sway back horse. It's kind of, instead of indenting out, it goes in. Um, and I'm the one that's been guilty of that because I tend to use a heavy hand. In other words, I like all that pumpkin puree mixture and I, and I end up putting way too much in it. And then it's like underbaked in the middle and you got to overbake the ends. So be careful about how much you put in. Um, I mean, you can push it a little bit, but don't go too too much with the pumpkin puree. The same time is, is you don't want to put too little because you miss out on the flavor potential. So we find it best to put a thin layer of swirl throughout the loaf. And I did have uh, my baker, I filmed her when she made the pumpkin swirl loaf. And I'm going to include, you'll have a link for that. It's our YouTube page where we make the pumpkin swirl so you can get an idea of how we spread it around. Okay, so you start with your grandma's white and after it undergoes the first rising time or fermenting, which basically is an hour and a half, 
Um, it's also called the bulk fermentation because that's where the bulk of the flavor and the structure is created. So then you divide it how you wish, and I'm going to discuss an equal divide. So you flatten out one side, and you form it kind of like a piece of paper, about 12 to 14 inches long and about four to five inches wide. And then we hand shape the dough. We basically flatten it out with our hands. And, and if you want to use a rolling pin, you can. Um, the reason that we don't use a rolling pin in the bakery, because basically it delays the process. Um, but you've got all the time in the world. So feel free if, you, if that's something you prefer. Okay, so you take the long side, you know, the high side, and the short side is wide. And to get more rings in your roll, you want to make sure you have rolled out the dough so it's long enough. This will allow more rings as you roll it up. Now you, you can put about, oh, half the mixture in the middle and spread it evenly. And then if you still have want to add a little bit more, add a little bit more. But you want to save a little bit of the mixture just to put on top. And if you notice, we don't add any butter to this recipe. Um, we did try it because um, I actually really like butter. I really love the flavor of butter. But the problem is it was too wet. Um, and then it we had to... It was slime, it kind of was slippery mess, and then we had to overbake it to get it um, properly baked in the middle. And also, it's nice to have a vegan or non dairy option for customers, too. Okay, so now what you want to do is you want to grab the bottom and you roll it up like you would do for cinnamon rolls, or if you think of it this way, like you're rolling up a sleeping bag, but you want to be careful. It's kind of a lift and roll. And what I mean by that is that you don't want to push all the the pumpkin puree out of your cinnamon or your pumpkin swirl loaf. So kind of lift and roll and capture all that goodness. Okay, so and then you want to cut about three-fourths inch into your roll with a sharp knife and without flattening the roll. You can also hold up the end of the roll with one hand then cut with the other hand to avoid the knife flattening it out. And you want to space out your pumpkin pimples. You put them on a well-greased uh, sheet pan or you can use parsley parchment paper if you'd like as well. We don't spray for the cinnamon rolls when we make, uh, we put our cinnamon rolls on the parchment paper, but we happen to do so for our pumpkin pinwheels or our raspberry pinwheels because they're, they're, they're wetter and they tend to stick. Um, and then you end up having to peel off the parchment paper off the bottom. So when in doubt, just put a little spray, spray down, that'll prevent that. And when you're cutting up your pumpkin pinwheels, try to do it evenly as you can. Um, and the reason why is because uh, they'll bake at different times. So if you have one that's like, you know, whatever, inch or two in diameter, and may have another one that's three or four inches in diameter, well, the smaller one's going to bake quicker. So try to get them approximately about the same size. And then when you put your rolls down on your sheet pan, you want to space them out um, and try to space them out as evenly as you can. Um, and the reason why is, first of all, they're going to grow a bit and you're going to get some oven spring. So you want to leave at least an inch or two between them. And second of all, if you put them all along the bottom of the pan and then you put one, you know, high up on the pan all by itself. Well, once again, it's going to get more exposed to heat and it's going to bake about a few minutes quicker. So that's why you want to evenly divide all your rolls. Okay, and then what we do is we top our pumpkin pinwheels with some more pumpkin mixture. And you can even sprinkle some more brown sugar on top too if you'd like. Okay, so now the rolls will go for their second rising. 
And this basically takes about 20 minutes to an hour, depending on the temperature of your room. Um, you're not going to go overproof these things. So if you're in a hurry, you could also just pop them in the oven. Uh, but they're just going to end up a little bit denser. And so preferably, though, they will proof because they end up having a little bit nicer texture to them. Okay, so with a five-ounce roll, we bake them at about 350 degrees for about 20 to 25 minutes. And so if it's smaller, smaller rolls will take less time to bake. And always remember when you're baking that you can bake more, but you can't bake less. So if a recipe says for 20 to 25 minutes, check it at 20 minutes. And how you can tell if these are done is basically what we do is we, we take the middle of the roll. Okay, so if it's going to be underbaked, it's going to be in the middle, not on the ends. And then we kind of pull it up. If it breaks like bread, they're done. If it's still doughy in the middle, then we'll put it in for a few more minutes. And you don't want the rolls to necessarily be tan in color because that's likely going to be an overbaked product by that point. I mean, if you got to remember, it's 100% white flour in the base of the dough, so it's not going to get that much color when it's baking. And really, it gets more like an off-white, slightly tan. Okay, so now we're going to make the pumpkin roll loaf. So you take the second half of your dough and you spread out the dough similar in shape to how you did for the pinwheels. Okay, so it's kind of a rectangle, like think of a piece of paper. And once again, you can use a rolling pin, but you don't have to. And you put about half a cup of the pumpkin mixture in the middle, evenly spread it, and then you roll it up. And it, it's really similar to the pumpkin pinwheels. You just don't cut them, okay? And so you put that into a well-greased loaf pan, and you always put your seam side on the bottom. And you really want to pinch that bottom together because you don't want the good stuff coming out on the pan. Okay, and then you can add the remaining quarter cup of mixture or whatever to the top of the loaf. And we do score our pumpkin swirl. We score it with just a quick three slashes on top. We evenly space them right before we put it in the oven. Um, you don't need to score your loaf at home. I mean, we actually just do it because it helps us tell the difference between the pumpkin and cinnamon swirl. And so for the pumpkin swirl loaves, I would bake them about the same time you do your sandwich loaves in your oven. If you don't have the experience to gauge baking times, then it started at about 40 minutes at 350 degrees. And you likely are going to keep adding time. Um, and I highly recommend, if you don't already have one, is just to get a simple thermometer. Um, they're less than 10 bucks, and you can buy them at any grocery store. But basically, if you poke it in the middle, and you can also use a meat thermometer for that matter. Um, so if you poke, but you got to poke it in the middle of your product, because that's where it's going to be underbaked. And I want the pumpkin swirl to hit 185. And so basically dough turns into bread about 180, but I got, like to go a little bit more uh, than that to about 185 for the pumpkin swirl, because then I know it's, it's going to be properly baked all around it. And one thing I will tell you is that, so we'll make a bunch of pumpkin puree in advance. Um, and the reason I said it at 185 and not 180, because... A lot of time the pumpkin mixture is still slightly cold. And so you're always better off if you want to like double the recipe of the pumpkin puree and then save it. I mean, you can actually freeze it too. But just remember, try to get it as close to room temperature as possible. Because what happens is if the baker forgets to take the pumpkin puree out in the morning, because um, they get there like, you know, whatever, 3.30 in the morning. So by the time they get, start working on the pumpkin cereal, it's about 6 a.m. 
And so it's had time to, you know, get to room temperature. Uh, but they forget and then they pull it out immediately and try to make pumpkin swirl, pumpkin pinwheel. Here's what happens. It gets, um, it's cold. And so the dough that's next to that cold, it won't bake uh, as fast. And so it might reach 180 wherever they're poking that thing in. But I want to give a little more time so that it can accommodate for anything that might be a little bit still chilled. Okay, so then you want to just take your finished loaf and uh, take it out of the pan and let it cool on a wire rack. Okay, so now I'm going to discuss the recipe. And like I said, it's for two loaves worth. Okay, so one cup of pumpkin puree. And if you want to make it from scratch rather than using canned pumpkin, it's super easy. Just substitute the same volume. So one cup of fresh pumpkin puree equals one cup of canned. And you will bake the pumpkin minus the seeds, right, and the stringy fibers inside. I mean, you basically just brush the fresh pumpkin with olive oil or whatever oil you want to use and put it in about a cup of water and bake it until it's tender, which usually about an hour, an hour and a half at about 350 degrees. And when it's complete and it's still warm, I would puree it with a blender or a food processor. And you can also kind of mash it by hand if you want to do that. Um, and also I would remove the excess moisture. If it looks runny, then drain the extra water out of it. You can use like a fine mesh colander over a big bowl. And all you have is a large colander, like for salads or something. Just use some paper towels or coffee filters to help drain out the moisture. It may be best to use the canned pumpkin first, then go to fresh, as you will know the consistency of the batter better or the consistency of canned pumpkin. And um, what you want to remember is canned pumpkin is different from the canned pumpkin pie filling. Okay, the canned pumpkin pie filling is a lot thinner. Um, and so you definitely want to use pumpkin puree, not pumpkin pie filling. And if you have extra of the pumpkin puree after you made it, like I said, you can freeze it. It truly freezes well. Just want to get back to room temperature before you're going to use it again, right? Okay, now you want to add a half a cup of brown sugar. And you really should not substitute a liquid such as maple syrup, honey, agave, without using less puree. And also, I don't recommend substituting white sugar. Um, and the reason why, it just doesn't melt as well. So even though the brown sugar is really white sugar with molasses, it seems to absorb more water and thus it melts better. And sometimes white sugar can clump together and it results in like a large sugar crystal that didn't disperse that well in the loaf. And that's why we end up switching to brown sugar for better results. And I like to use a half a cup of brown sugar because you can taste the sweetness, but it isn't too sweet. But if you got a real sweet tooth, then go ahead and use a three-fourths of a cup of brown sugar. If you're adding in that much more, it doesn't really matter. You don't need to adjust the puree or anything. Okay, then add two teaspoons of nutmeg, two teaspoons of ginger, and two teaspoons of cinnamon. With the spices, you can add and subtract from one another to your own taste preferences or whatever you have on hand. Like, for example, if you don't have ginger and you have cloves, you have cloves. Or you can use an allspice. Um, or you can just use all cinnamon. But you have to be kind of careful about cinnamon because it can overpower recipes. And then you end up tasting uh, cinnamon. You, you can't really taste the pumpkin quite as well either. Okay, and you can actually add in, if you, if you like raisins, feel free to add a half cup of raisins. 
And I've also heard of people adding in nuts so or chocolate chips. Um, and see, that's the great thing about home baking, right? So it's whatever you want, but you just want to be careful you don't exceed that half a cup. And the reason why is because, well, I've done it. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that, once again, I tend to push things. And so I put in a lot of add-ins. What happens is, is that um, it doesn't bake properly, first of all, and then it has a tendency to fall apart. Because remember that, you know, like raisins don't stick to other raisins or nuts don't stick to nuts. You need enough dough in there to hold the whole thing together. Okay, so serving suggestions. What I recommend with a pumpkin swirl is you can just make plain toast. It's plenty good just as plain toast. It's got a nice sweetness, so you can add some butter if you'd like. But it also makes some really good French toast. It has a nice, subtle pumpkin flavor, and it matches really well with maple syrup. Okay, I have an announcement. So I'm happy to announce we're going to do a four-day intensive comprehensive baking class series. Okay, and we're going to start this in March of 2021. I mean, quite frankly, I'd started earlier, but right now we're in the middle of COVID-19 and I don't want to plan something and happen to cancel it. Um, and so if we do get that vaccine and we do get that herd immunity, which I hope and pray we do sooner, then I'll add another series in January. And then the four-day baking school, basically it's going to cost about $475 if you sign up for January 1st. And it's 100% refundable until 30 days before the class starts. And the class is going to be very hands-on. Okay, so you're not going to get somebody teaching in uh, a class and showing it, demonstrating while you sit there and watch. Uh-uh, we're going to put you to work, basically. So we'll show you how to do it, and then you're going to be using your own hands. I mean, honestly, that's how you learn best. You learn best by doing. Someone's showing you, and then you're doing it yourself. And you're going to be in a real commercial production setting. Um, and so we're going to focus mainly on breads, but we're also going to cover pastries, cookies, and quick breads too. And if you're interested in more information, you can check out the show notes and go to our website, housebread.com under baking classes. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. And until next time, happy baking. Happy baking.